raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Good morning and hello there. It is Wednesday, March 29th. It is six minutes after nine. And you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Are we ready? We're ready to do this today. Middle of the week. We can get through it. After this, it's all downhill. Maybe for you, you're not going to be here the next two days. That's right. So it's like Friday for me. Get in the spirit, could you? All right, let's start off the show by talking about President Biden and the big job events, job event that he had. He was in the Triangle down there in North Carolina yesterday, kicking off his Investing in America tour, an effort to revive American manufacturing. He was visiting Wolf Speed, which is a semiconductor manufacturer. He said America is determined to lead the world in manufacturing of semiconductors. It's all part of the Chips and Science Act, which was signed into law last year. Now, you remember, Casey, the Chips and Science Act authored by our old friend, the Duke of Spendingburg. Todd Young. And remember that added... billions upon billions of dollars to our nation's debt, the money largely going to the lar- some of the largest, most successful, most powerful corporations in the world. And if you were to sum up Todd Young and the United States Congress in one act, it would be taking money from poor and middle class people, giving it to some of the largest, most powerful corporations in the entire world and going, look at what we did for you. Look what I did for you. He's like Tom Hanks in Castaway, <laughs> building the fire. I did this. I you know- created this. You know, that's what we need to get for, for uh, Spendingburg is a little uh, volleyball with a face on it. That Wilson? Could fo- yeah, that could follow Spendingburg around <laughs> and just keep going, you're screwing the American people. You're depriving them of their ability to earn a living. You're driving inflation. Look what I've done. Well, the president said that North Carolina's plan is going to be to build a network of electric- electrical vehicle charging stations, and this is all part of a 550 thousand network across the country of EV charging stations. So think, and, and look, we should totally believe Todd at his word because he told me in the Stax Pancake House, which I also was not allowed to film before he started moving very aggressively towards me. Are you saying that he did not like transparency? I'm saying all I know is that uh, multiple people were told do not film um, the event. Mm-hmm. And then when Todd started moving very aggressively, as has been backed up, we've heard from numerous witnesses who were there who have called and written this program. You have read and been privy to those correspondence for anyone who doubts that a United States senator with his big burly armed deputy behind him started mm-hmm. moving very aggressively towards me while I was sitting in a booth in the back minding my own business. Then evil, Igor, his evil, awful assistant, whipped that camera out, which is amazing. You're not allowed to record, but they are. We were told there was no filming. My point is, this is a supposedly Republican U.S. senator who is authoring a bill and then spending his time bragging about a bill that is the apple of the eye of the radical left president of the United States Mm -hmm. who is now barnstorming across the country bragging about this bill. Mm -hmm. And the crux of the bill is we are spending billions upon billions of dollars of printed money to electrify the United States. Well, newsflash, Casey, Mm -hmm. our electric grid is already in trouble, so what's next? Yeah. Okay, so he was in North Carolina, Joe Biden was, and he started using the term MAGA Republicans again. What what is that? And then sometimes he'll whip out an ultra MAGA Mm -hmm. Republican. What is that? 
What is, what is a MAGA Republican? What is an ultra MAGA Republican? Are there like tears in the MAGA right. Republican structure? <laughs> I've never, nobody has ever explained this. It's like a salt weapon. Mm -hmm. No one can ever give you a clear definition of what MAGA Republican is. What if you voted for Trump, but you don't really like Trump? What if you voted for Trump because you hated Hillary? What if you voted for Trump because you think Biden doesn't have all his mental faculties? Mm -hmm. Are you a MAGA Republican? Right. And then, like, if you were super excited about voting for Trump, does that make you an ultra MAGA? What is the definition, Casey? Are there dues? Like, do you have to pay a fee to get into the MAGA club? If you're just a standard Republican and then you, I don't know, contribute to somebody's campaign, does that make you MAGA? Okay, so a theme throughout the day today, Casey, is going to be Joe Biden's willingness and ability to willfully look society in the eye and just straight out lie to them. Now, we're going to talk about this with guns, mm -hmm. and first we're going to talk about the, this with the economy. So listen to this. So he, and you never know with Biden, does he actually think this? Is he so far mentally gone that he actually thinks this, or is he just such a pathological, sociopathic liar Maybe it's both, right? Maybe it's just a mixture. Maybe the two are now meeting in the middle here, mm -hmm. and this is what we have. He seems to think that a large portion of America's now nearly $32 trillion of debt mm -hmm. was, I guess, accrued in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you're going to hear this audio, and then, I, look, I don't want to be the person that should say this, because I hate speaking ill of our president, but someone should really tell him that our national debt did not eclipse $1 trillion. So it's almost 32 now. Mm -hmm. It did not eclipse $1 trillion until 1982. And Biden, you would think, would know that. Because he was a senator. He was a senator. And by the way, the national debt when he was first elected in 1973... $458 billion. Mm. But yet he, you will hear this audio here where he tries to say, you absolutely have to prove the debt ceiling because, well, we've been racking up this debt for 200 years. <laughs> extreme MAGA Republicans, not all, but extreme MAGA Republicans are threatening to undo all this progress. They're putting our economy in jeopardy by threatening to refuse to pay America's bills. Not the ones I cut the deficit by $1.7 trillion in two years. But guess what? They're talking about not paying our debt, which has accumulated over 200 years. All this, when you hear these trillion-dollar numbers, that's 200 years of debt accumulated. 200 years. And they want to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act, which means they want to cut the investments in clean energy manufacturing and encourage companies to expand and create jobs instead of create jobs here. They want to cede our clean energy future to China to make us dependent on overseas supplies and supply chains, export jobs overseas, and weaken our energy security. MAGA Republicans in Congress all don't want to cut gut the CHIPS and Science Act, stripping our investments in the next generation science and technology. I am all for, let me be very clear, Casey, I'm mm -hmm. all for cut gutting. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he said. Cut gutting? Cut, cut gut. The Chips and Science Act. Mm -hmm. I am, let me let me be as clear as I can be on this radio program right now. Just about anything Todd Young was in charge of, I am for cut gutting it <laughs> and just keep going. Once you've cut gutted the whole thing, keep going. Just go right through the bone, baby. Okay. If Todd Young had anything to do with being in charge of it. Cut gutting. Okay, well, under Biden's budget, the national debt's going to surge to nearly $51 trillion by the end of 2033. 
So th- yeah, and it comes back to the ability to willfully or the fact that he is mentally so incapacitated he doesn't know, try to claim he cut the deficit. So what happened here is, again, Todd Young and the Republicans under Trump, which the ultra MAGA Republicans, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. don't really want to acknowledge, spent $5 trillion, added $5 trillion, I mean, they added more than that in one year, but in one fell swoop with the COVID relief, mm-hmm. $5 trillion to the debt. So Biden comes in. It's the same thing Hogshead's doing on crime right now. Well, crime numbers are down. Yeah, but bro, you just had a record crime year. Yeah, but they're down from that, but they're like way higher than they were three years ago. Yeah, but they're down from the record year. So crime, we are, we are stamping out crime in the city of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Biden is saying, well- so I didn't do the five trillion. I cut that by one point seven trillion. So I'm cutting the deficit. When in reality, you are adding to the na- you are adding near record numbers every single year to the national debt. You're just not as silly or as stupid as Todd Young and Donald Trump and the Republicans were in 2020. Oh, big round of applause for you guys. The the ability of the president of the United States to repeatedly willfully lie look at 330 million people in the eye and just straight out lie to them is should petrify everyone okay petrify them. so kevin mccarthy sent the president a letter urging him to begin budget talks and biden said oh no it's not over yet we're, we're watching very closely. <laughs> McCarthy wants to scale back on spending. He said that he wants to claw back the unspent COVID relief funds and other changes. McCarthy said he's ready to save on trillions. But Biden not stepping up to the table for the talks. Uh, real quick, before we get to a break, Biden also said his economic plan, Casey. Oh, is it working for me? It's working. And you didn't know that, <laughs> but it is working. Put it all together. It's a plan to invest in America, invest in Americans, give them opportunity, invest in ourselves, and it's working. Okay, so his policies definitely contributed to high inflation. Kev, you're the neutral arbiter here. You're the sane one. I am, of course, long gone, and Casey, by the day, is becoming more radicalized on the right-wing side of the aisle. So, Kev, you're our last hope. Is the economy working for you? Are you feeling really good about things right now? Uh, not really, no. Okay, so not working for you, Mm-mm. not working for you, Mm-mm. not working for me. Who is it working for other than for uh, him? Pat- Patrice Cullors and the leaders of the BLM movement? Who yeah. is the who is the economy working for? Yeah, he's definitely making it harder for people to make ends meet. That is for sure. All right, we got to take a break. When okay. we come back, we got some trending stories, and today is the 50th anniversary of something very important. We're going to kind of center our show around it today. It is something that doesn't get nearly enough attention, and 50 years later, the same bullcrap in this country is still happening, so I'd like to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. The Eastern world, it is exploding. 19 minutes after 9, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And let's take a look at what people are talking about this morning. So WalletHub compared more than 180 cities across the country. And they based this survey on 46 different metrics. And they were trying to find the best cities in America 
to raise a family. Oh. They looked at the cost of housing, schools, health care, opportunities for fun and recreation. How about crime? They did not list crime. <laughs> but out of the 180 cities on the list, two from Indiana made the cut. Wait, wait, wait. Time, 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 time. They didn't list crime? No. Well, look, and I hate to call anybody's methodology in into question, as I am but a humble radio broadcaster. Mm-hmm. But I would think, what were the ones again? What were the the the, the they were that, housing, uh-huh. quality of schools, uh-huh. healthcare, uh-huh. opportunities for fun and recreation. So your opportunity to go to the water slide was more important than if you're going to get your house <laughs> broken into and potentially decapitated. Yes. Okay, go on, Casey. I'm not I'm not trying to ruin the segment, but these people are full of it. Whatever <laughs> result they came up with. Okay. Well, while Hub came up with two cities in Indiana that are great for raising families. Uh-huh. You want to take a guess? Uh, I'll say Carmel. Nope. Uh, Fort Wayne. Yes. Hey, boy. And uh, well, if they took crime out of the equation and fun was <laughs> one of the um, Indianapolis. That is it. Oh, yeah. Because Indianapolis is a totally place where you say, <laughs> boy, where do I want to set my lot in life? <laughs> That's where God. they say you should raise families. Somebody got paid to put that list together. You think so? Well, they're not running a soup kitchen over there. It's not the, was it Wallet Hub? Yeah. It's not the Wallet Hub Charity Foundation. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're not giving away. You know, warm clothes in the winter that I'm aware of. Somebody got paid to do that, Casey. Possibly. Would if you had a family? Not to say you don't have a family, but if you had a young family, mm-hmm. like your daughter were younger, mm-hmm. would you say, "Wow, Indy's really the place I want to be"? Uh, apparently, I would choose Granger, Indiana, <laughs> because that's what I did for 25 years. Also trending this morning, the Women's Sweet 16. They have more viewers than any NBA game this year so far, and a lot of it is being driven by Caitlin Clark. Oh. Have you heard of this woman? Yeah, she's of Iowa, right? She is amazing. She hit the first 40-point triple-double in women's March Madness history. I believe also in men's, but this she can shoot from the parking lot. Now, I think she's so interesting— uh, that I, I read this, and I think it's true, that the uh, Iowa game to go to the Final Four, so Iowa is in the Final Four, mm-hmm. their game um, beat, there was an NBA broadcast on, yeah. and there were more people who watched the Iowa yep. Women's Elite Eight game than the NBA game, national NBA game that was on at the time. Any NBA game this entire season they've wow. been beating. Wow. Yeah. So uh, why is Caitlin Clark so amazing? Let's take a listen. I'm going to go ahead and say it, dog. I I firmly believe that she is the biggest brand in in college sports right now. Like Mm. right now, it's, you know, we live in such a highlight-driven culture where every single day people wake up and they look at highlights, what's on SportsCenter, what's on all these social media pages, IG, TikTok, if I could even say TikTok because what they're going through right now is even a different story. But we're a highlight-driven society. And every single day when you have the first 40-point triple-double, in the history of the NCAA tournament, when you drop 35 plus point games multiple times, right. and everything everything you see about her has a similar swag, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. like a swag that you hear like people like Kobe Bryant, or you know, you see Sue Bird at the game watching this, almost in amazement of her. I firmly believe when it's all said and done, she is the biggest brand in college sports. Right wow, now. Mm-hmm. how about that? Yeah, she's absolutely amazing. If you haven't seen any clips of her playing, you should look those up afternoon when Tony Katz is on. <laughs> ah! Finally trending this morning, Dairy Queen. They are offering an 85-cent blizzard beginning oh. in April. You need to use the DQ mobile app to get yours. 
Um, well, I'm going to be out on that because you know I don't do anything on my phone. Maybe my wife will do that for right. me. 85 Cent Blizzard. I ask her that all the time. Mm-hmm. Will you download this thing on your phone? <laughs> you know how it works. Hey, get this coupon for me. <laughs> all right. Well, today marks the 50th anniversary of U.S. troops returning home from the Vietnam War. The date is recognized annually as National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Yeah, and so obviously uh, March 29, 1973, it's a day that should be talked about more in the history of this country. It is not, because as with most things with people who fought in Vietnam, they have been completely discarded and thrown away. And yes, as you said, um, they they disbanded, disestablished the U.S. Military Assistance Command on this day, and it was also the last day that U.S. troops were in Vietnam. Now, some other things did happen, some different aid, et cetera, the, you know, the fall of Saigon, you know, later, but, but for int- all intents and purposes, in terms of U.S. involvement, active military involvement, this is the day. And so today we, I had Kev kind of open the segment with uh, Barry McGuire's Eve of Destruction all day. We're going to kind of play music that represents the time period and the thought mm-hmm. of that time period, because Casey, the Vietnam War... And you really can trace it all the way back to the death of John Kennedy. What represented such a dramatic change in this country that it has really never recovered from in terms of the innocence and ideals Mm. of America. And I'm not trying to be old get off my lawn guy, but what happened during the Vietnam War was really the beginning of the military industrial complex in this country in which politicians were knowingly and willfully sending young men to fight and die for absolutely no reason other than enriching and emboldening people who supported their campaigns and their existence as Congress people, as the president, and, and as U.S. senators. And we spent, I mean, it's staggering. I was reading all about this last night. We spent, by today's dollars, over $1 trillion in that country fighting that war, and we left with nothing to show for it and ultimately really lost the war. And it was no, by no means any fault of the brave people who went and fought and died. And the way those people were treated, who mm-hmm. didn't have a choice in the matter, Casey, mm-hmm. they didn't have a choice. 1.8 million men were drafted. And the way that they were treated in terms of society and the way they were judged, and then the way they were treated when they came mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. they went out of obligation and a, and a uh, I mean, a summons, right? Yep. It, 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 it is amazing to me how for then really for the rest of their lives, those people, those men were not given the respect they deserved. They were not given the thank yous that they deserved because and ill a forced fighting in an ill-begotten war mm-hmm. is not the people who were forced the fault of the people who were forced into fighting. And if you look at what has continued to happen in this country since then, because the politicians got away with it, and that's the important thing. And I know we're running a little long, but this is important. The politicians, when they get away with stuff, just like during COVID, you can't let them get away with stuff because when they get away with stuff, they just keep up in the ante. And in this country, we let these politicians, very few politicians paid a price for what they did to this country, to those those brave men who fought over there. And we have seen a continuous U- U.S. military intervention either through men on the ground or, as we're seeing now in Ukraine, 
printed money, which is driving inflation, which is weakening our country, to bolster and embolden the U.S. military-industrial complex. You think about 30 years after this, it was the war in Iraq. Now, 20 years after that, it's back in Ukraine. It never, ever, ever stops. And I want to spend today, one, thanking the people who are still with us who fought in Vietnam, but hopefully using this as a reminder to people of these evil, awful, terrible people who run this country, who will absolutely kill your kids if it helps them in their political position. They were definitely shamed and shunned when they returned home. And I grew up in the shadow of the Vietnam War because I am of the age where I, I'm old enough to remember. I can recall my mom saying that's when she stopped watching the nightly news yeah. because of the images every single night of all of the young men who were getting hurt over there. And uh, in the 80s, there was a big trend towards wearing camouflage. And it was in, in honor of all of those veterans. All gave some and some gave all. Yeah. So we'll, we'll mention this throughout the course of the day today. But if you see a Vietnam veteran, you know one, call them, say thanks for their service because they, they definitely deserve it. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So President Biden addressed the shooting at the Nashville Christian School on Monday. It left three children and four adults, including the shooter, dead. He said the shooting was sick. And then he repeated his call on Congress to pass an assault weapons ban. He then said something interesting about the Second Amendment. So the theme of the day is going to be the president of the United States who willfully can lie to the American people and not feel any any shame or hesitancy or whatever whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So the opening segment, we played the clip of him attempting to say basically that the national debt, which is now closing in on $32 trillion, it's been racking up for 200 years. You know, Washington, you know, you remember Washington and and and, and Jefferson and, and Adams, you know, they racked up a trillion in like the first seven minutes of the Republic. No, of course not. The national debt did not eclipse two, uh, $1 trillion until 1982. That was 41 years ago. It is now $32 trillion. The national debt was f- uh, just $458 billion when Biden was elected to the U.S. Senate in 1973. So in 50 years, we have seen almost $31.5 trillion added to the national debt. Mm-hmm. But the guy lies without any hesitation whatsoever. And if he will lie on... Uh, just so blatantly obvious, easily disprovable things. What the hell else is the guy lying about, Casey? Yeah, well, and on this path, the debt is projected to hit $51 trillion in 10 years. All right, so, Kevin, I'm going to go a little bit out of order here. Um, Biden, as you said, gave that speech yesterday mm-hmm. in North Carolina, and uh, we have long talked about... Uh, Define, you know, you hear the term assault weapon. Right. It's an assault weapon. We must ban assault weapons. Assault weapons ban. What in the world is an assault weapon? And the left, because, well, every weapon, and this is what people need to realize every weapon from a handgun to a bazooka is an assault weapon. The premise of the weapon is to assault something mm-hmm. and the left this is this is not about assault weapons it's about a run on the guns and they will use any opportunity to run or take a run 
on the gun. So when somebody says an assault weapon, they are talking about the guns because the premise of every weapon is to assault something. But Biden, well, he took a little stab at trying to define what or describe or whatever you want to call it what an assault weapon is. You know, I know you see on television, it's not just merely the the weapon in terms of its that it's semi-automatic in effect, but the velocity with which it comes out of that muzzle, what it does when it hits the body. Most bullets would go just straight through and out, leaving little, but it blows up once it's inside your body. Uh, okay, so is that now our definition? I mean, we're using terms like muzzle? Mm-hmm. How 1837 of you? I mean... What is an assault weapon? You want to ban the thing. What is the thing? When I look at the thing, I should know what it is. I have no idea what an assault weapon is because I, as a common sense, rational person who grew up in a household where guns were everywhere, knew about responsible gun ownership and the premise of a weapon, Casey, Mm -hmm. was to assault something. Yeah, it's the whole point of it. What do you, you look at it? Go look at my gun. No, it, you, the premise of having a weapon in your home or wherever else is that if someone is impeding mm-hmm. you or threatening you or whatever, you can assault them and defend yourself. Right. Well, they're trying to say it's different brands. Oh, different brands. Yes. Well, um, our old friend Mayorkas, um, he, he he was asked about that. Yes. Yeah, so so Alejandro Mayorkas mm-hmm. uh, was in front of the Senate yesterday. Uh, He's Homeland Security. Mm -hmm. And John Kennedy, who is a U.S. Senator, I believe it's Louisiana that he's from, asked him that, can you define what an assault weapon is? So if we want to ban the thing... Mm -hmm. Let's know what it is. Absolutely. It should be very clear cut. should be uh, very easy to define. And, well, he can't do it. Mr. Secretary, do you agree with the president that we should ban the private ownership of assault weapons in America? Senator, I do. What is an assault weapon? It is, for example, an AK-47. Can you give me a definition other than just pointing to a specific weapon? Would there be other weapons besides an AK-47 you would ban? Uh, There very well are. And I remember when I was a federal prosecutor, uh, in the Central District of California from September 25th, 1989 to, I believe it was April 2001. And I thank you for uh, your all service, of the, but if all you could of the law enforcement, the, the vast majority of law enforcement officers, uh, leaders uh, with whom I worked, uh, uh, were uh, greatly in support of the assault weapons Mr. ban. Mr. Chairman, you know of, why we get so frustrated with you? Because you won't give straight answers. I think I just did. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Do you have an, a, def, a definition of an assault weapon? Uh, I am confident there is a technical definition of what is an assault weapon, uh, and it was uh, assuredly used uh, in the context of the statute that previously existed banning assault weapons. I'm sure there's a definition. Let me just look that up on Wiki really quick. <laughs> Get my encyclopedia. Why did he start giving his resume? Because he doesn't have an answer to the question, yeah. And this is this Deflect. is what this is what these politicians do. And and John Kennedy was spot on on that. He doesn't want to answer the question because it is a run on the guns. If there are things you want to get rid of, then just say it. We want to get rid of A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. 
they don't do that and they don't do that deliberately it's just like everything else the left does when words lose meaning and that is why they they have stripped so many things of meaning then you can make it fit into whatever box you want that to fit into again if they want to get rid of whatever machine guns bazookas Flamethrowers, which gonna, Biden said were illegal. We're going to talk about that not. later. I mean, again, they're just lying with absolutely no remorse whatsoever. But then say it, mm-hmm. and let's vote on that, mm-hmm. and then we'll go on to the next one. Okay, well, you said vote on it. Any legislative action's going to need to get the majority of the House, and they're going to have to clear a 60-vote hurdle in the Senate. And Republicans can then filibuster, so any sort of Clinton-era assault weapons ban that's that's gonna be a pretty heavy lift here's the problem though and it is pick on spendingberg day because he totally deserves it for destroying this country but at the now infamous stacks pancake house public meeting where i was banned from filming and todd young moved aggressively towards me Mm -hmm. despite having an armed deputy right next to him um he had just voted on that gun reform bill Mm -hmm. and those people there were not happy and he told those people oh no 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 this stuff is all great it's going to prevent this sort of thing from happening well i guess it didn't work because it never works because that's not how you fix the issue that person that did this shooting Mm -hmm. just like all the other people who do those shootings are sick twisted demented people who need to be institutionalized for their entire the entire rest of their existence you have to catch the problem before the action people will find ways to kill other people if they desire to kill other people Mm. period end of story that's the way it's been through all of recorded human history Mm -hmm. if someone wants to kill you they will do everything in their power to find a way it is a mental health issue it is a risk awareness issue and once again the government of which Todd Young proudly stood behind this gun reform bill and he told all those people at that meeting who told him this isn't going to work, oh no, no, it's going to work. You watch. Well, we're watching. It's not working. Criminals are going to be criminals. Uh, Real quick before I go to a break, this is not on the same topic, but it was at the same hearing. Uh, Ted Cruz was talking to Mayorkas and just absolutely lit him up on the southern border and since we just played Mayorkas uh, and this guy deserves whatever he gets, I thought it would be all right if we just play this now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, take a listen. Has the crisis at our southern border made Americans less safe? Yes or no? Senator, we are dedicated to the safety. Has and the crisis made Americans less safe? I don't. I don't want a, a discourse. It's a yes or no question. Senator, we have a challenge of. You refuse to answer the question. Not, Sec- Mr. Secretary. Let me show you how someone doing his job answers a question in a straightforward manner. Chief Ortiz. Is the crisis that is currently ongoing at the southern border making the border less safe for Americans and aliens alike? Answer, yes. One word, one syllable, three letters. That's how someone answers a question and does their job. You're being a politician misleading the American people. Let me give you a chance again. Will you show the same integrity Chief Ortiz shows? Is the crisis at the southern border making Americans less safe? Yes or no? 
Senator, we have 260,000. You refuse to answer the question. Let's move on. Oh, Ted Cruz is so frustrated. In total, federal agents have encountered more than 4.8 million migrants at the southern border since Mayorkas took office. And sidebar, presidential candidate Nikki Haley is going to visit the southern border. She travels down there on April 3rd. And while she's there, she plans to unveil her plan to handle the migrant crisis. Now in its third year. All right, when we come back, we have got some audience from Donald Trump. He is, boy, he is obsessed with Ron DeSantis. I mean, it's a boiling, uh, boiling rabbit on the stove. Mm-hmm. I will not be ignored, Dan. I mean, he is uh, somebody, <laughs> somebody really needs to get that guy some help quick and we'll play you that when we come back. That's on the way with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hey, Rob. Yes. Got a question for you. Oh, sure. Big question. You need to think real hard on this okay, one, okay? I'm, 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 totally z- I'm totally zoned in. All right. How would you feel if you lost out on $111,000 in retirement income? Well, money's not that big of a deal. I would be really upset, Casey. Well, get this. 96% of Americans do lose out on an average of $111,000 in Social Security income. And it's because they claim their benefits at the wrong time. Hey, good morning. It's Kendall and Casey. And you could learn how... How you could avoid this potential disaster with a free social security analysis from Bill Demery, your retirement guy right here in Indy. We trust Bill Demery so much that we are now clients of Bill Demery. And if you've saved at least $200,000 and have not filed for social security, schedule your free analysis by calling 317-932-9912. Bill does all the heavy lifting for you and he won't charge you a dime. Call 317-932-9912. That's 317-932-9912. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC at 949. So we are playing uh, songs that are uh, or were important during the Vietnam War. Today is today's the 50th anniversary of the last real active U.S. military involvement in Vietnam. And uh, so we'll be talking about that throughout the course of the show today. And then I think I'm going to do a little treat at the end of the show. I'll talk to you about that during the break. But okay. uh, speaking of little treats, Casey. <laughs> you want to talk about Donald Trump? Well, he's... Uh, he can't stop loving Ron DeSantis. Yeah, okay, so he's increased his national lead in the presidential primary, but it really seems like the big tussle, the big fight, is not going to be between the Republican nominee and Joe Biden or whoever runs for the Democrats, because Joe Biden has not even announced that he's running again officially. It's really between Trump and DeSantis. And there's a lot of polling that is coming out, and one poll says that Trump, has a 26 
point lead over DeSantis. Now, this is a national poll. It's from the Center for American Political Studies at Harvard and Harris. And Trump is sitting at 50 percent and DeSantis is at 24 percent. Yeah, none of this matters. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just laughable to me that people are like, Trump with an exaggerated over-the-top lead against a guy who's not even running yet and hasn't spent a single dime on national advertising. Well, before we get into those two, let me just tell you that Pence and Nikki Haley oh. have seven and five percent. Uh, well, uh, that you know where that's going to go? Low, 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 <laughs> low. Um, look, it's a two-person race. These two are going to get in. It's going to be awesome to see those two go at each other. And I think you will very, you know, Casey, I'm pretty good at the predictor mm-hmm. meter. Mm-hmm. I think you, you're like a magic eight ball. Well, I've just we been, shake you. You give us the answer. I've just been around these people and this stuff long enough to kind of know usually how the tea leaves are going to maneuver on this stuff. And you're going to see a big bump for Ron DeSantis when he finally gets in. You mm-hmm. will see, uh, I think it will take a little bit of time before you see the the overall bump because he's going to unleash a large amount of money on, you know, advertising to, you know, expose himself to people who have not seen him or if they know him, they just know him passingly. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see this in waves. I think you're going to see Ron DeSantis when he gets in. It's going to be a biographical type of pull, you know, uh, unveil. It's not going to be uber negative against Donald Trump. It's going to be, here's who I am. Here's what I've done. And then I think gradually over time, you're going to start to see DeSantis start running ads or talking points or whatever that will be about all the egregious things that Trump did, especially during COVID. And there is no answer for those things. So ultimately, it's going to come down to how the first three or four states roll. It's going to be Iowa. It's going to be New Hampshire. It's going to be Mm -hmm. South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see Ron DeSantis have a robust operation in those states. He will run circles around Trump in terms of political operation, door knocking, signs, mailers, phone Mm -hmm. banking. And that's how you win in those states. So we will see. But Trump, Trump is, I mean, it is weird. And it's really it's really sad. You're the you're the face of the party. Mm-hmm. You being Trump, mm-hmm. you were the former president, which has always been even amongst presidents that the party fell out of favor with or didn't care for or whatever, a la a George W. Bush, mm-hmm. or then his dad before him. It became a statesman-like mm-hmm. role mm-hmm. where, hey, I'm kind of this unifying figure in the party. I will campaign where needed. I will help out where needed. And if Trump wants to run again, that's fine. But it is just so, I mean, it's pathetic, like this this obsession with Ron DeSantis, who is not even running for president yet. Well, you had mentioned Iowa and New Hampshire. And, of course, there's polling coming out of those two states. And in Iowa, DeSantis is actually up on Trump yes. by eight points. Yes. In New Hampshire, they're even. So I'm thinking... Clearly, Trump has seen those numbers. He know Iowa is step number one. Yeah. And he sees that DeSantis is beating him, and it's making him nervous. Remember, Trump lost to Ted Cruz in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Now, it was very close by delegate count. I think it was one different. But te- Trump lost to Ted Cruz in Iowa because Iowa more than any other state because of the way they do their caucuses. Now, they made some reforms to those, et cetera, but it is very nuts and bolts, grassroots, get to your neighbor, talk to your neighbor, signs in yards, Farmer Fred talks to Farmer Joe. Mm -hmm. That is not Donald Trump's wheelhouse. And so there's a real chance 
a Ron DeSantis would beat the brakes off of Donald Trump in Iowa. And then that resets everything, right? It resets absolutely everything. So Trump is doing these videos over on Truth mm-hmm. Social Media and his website. And man, does he, uh, does he have a thing for Ron DeSantis? Ron DeSanctimonious is being crushed in the polls, all of them. Many globalists are having second thoughts. Rhinos like Karl Rove, Pauline Ryan, and Jeb, low-energy Bush, are beside themselves. They don't know what's going on. They have rarely witnessed a cratering of this magnitude. These polls are going down rapidly. Maybe they should have told Ron that trying to destroy Social Security and Medicare and having voted to destroy them three times is not a good thing to do. Also, his record on China virus, crime, and education is, despite his ever-spinning PR machine, absolutely abysmal. Thank you. Thank you. I was all that. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, what he's... Okay, first of all, he's telling you right there. Donald Trump is telling you, without telling you, but he is telling you, I'm not going to take any hard stances on things that we must take hard stances on to fix this country. Donald Trump is now an unserious person for public office by ripping on Ron DeSantis for having the guts Mm -hmm. to do what every politician should be doing, Democrat, Republican, whatever, and saying there are major, major issues with our entitlement programs. They are cavalcating into insolvency, and we must make major changes. We're open to ideas for whatever anybody has. Here's mine. If you don't like it, give me something else. Trump has nothing. Trump has absolutely nothing for those issues, and he's telling you, not only is he not going to address them, he's ripping on a guy who actually had the courage to say, we got to make a change. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a lot of people are saying that DeSantis is running a shadow campaign right now. He's trying to do both sides. He's trying to say, "Uh, I don't know. I'll let you know. I'll think about it. I'm going to wait through this legislative session in Florida, but he's really, he's putting his feelers out there. He's really doing a shadow campaign. Now, you said that Trump is an unserious guy. Why is it, and maybe this is just my perception, when he is doing these videos like we just heard on Truth Social, he's, you know, he's very boisterous and he makes some ridiculous comments when he's truthing. He says, Rhonda Sanctimonious. However, when he sat down with Sean Hannity and did that interview for Fox, he seemed very sincere, sincere and serious, but presidential. Why can't we have that Donald Trump all the time? I believe the word you're looking for is personality disorder. Uh, here's another example of this, though, and uh, let's try to get through it. He was on Hannity, as you said, yeah. and, and he freely admits mm-hmm. he has no problem with putting Christopher Ray in as director of the FBI. This is why when I say, Casey, when he talks about draining the swamp, that's a joke. He's a joke. He's a clown. Chris, and here's the prime example. He's all still, after everything that happened to him, all in on Christopher Ray being FBI director. You happy with Chris Ray? But just so you understand, I put Chris Ray in because I wanted to have somebody in there that everybody, including the other side, really wanted. It may not have been the right move. Let's see. Time will tell, okay? But I wanted to have somebody in the FBI because I'm an honorable guy. I'm an honest guy. I may have made a mistake, but I put somebody in that the other side, everybody agreed to. You know who recommended him to me? Chris Christie. Okay, he recommended him. And that's okay. I don't mind that. I've taken Chris Christie's recommendations before. Uh, And other people wanted Christopher Ray. And people from the other side wanted Christopher Ray. But now Jim Jordan is investigating. So he, so he's open. Yeah, I gave Pelosi and the Democrats what they wanted. I gave Chris Christie what they wanted. And I'm not sorry about that at all. 
But you, that's okay? That's somebody you want running the country again? He hasn't learned a thing. So Chris Christie now is saying that it, there's potential that he may run again. He's saying that he can do to Trump what he did to Marco Rubio, which is defeat him. And by the way, Christopher Ray and Donald Trump have been ordered to sit for depositions in lawsuits brought on by these two former FBI employees. They say they were unfairly targeted. You know, the two FBI employees who were texting each other. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.